0: It's the Truman Show with Truman Jones. A look at the politics, news, sports, and people that are shaping Rutherford County.
1: The Truman Show is on the air. The Truman Show
0: is on the air. Now
1: your host, Truman Jones. Good morning, Rutherford County. And good morning,
2: Truman Jones.
1: Greg Tucker, (laughs) you always try to outdo me, which you do. It's not that difficult, Um, but I do want to wish you a happy birthday again.
2: Well, you're two days late, but I appreciate it.
1: Yes, and uh, you always have a special birthday. You—they take care of you. You're the one of the most spoiled people I think I've ever met in my life. Well. Yes. (laughs) I do
2: think my family take care of it.
1: Yes, they do. Uh, do. uh, How's Miss Cora? Did did you get to see her?
2: She announced to me very quickly after we ate that uh, she was in charge of handing me the presents. Ooh. I only had three presents, which was plenty for for me. Uh, But uh, I said, well, I may need some help opening them, too. So you can imagine how
1: that went. I, you're the only person I know of that has a princess wait on you. It, that's, that's very rare. Hey, yeah, but uh,
2: I do an awful lot of the waiting, too. She's, uh, she's high maintenance, and I love it.
1: I know she loves it. I have never seen a, a young lady like Miss Cora, never. She, she has all the special gifts that any young lady could have. Uh, she, she's, she's a farm worker. She's a princess. She just uh, she loves everybody around her. You you don't see those very often.
2: She's she's going to be an auto mechanic too. I think she's, <laughs> she's really into that with her daddy.
1: I can't see Miss Coral with grease all over her. Bless her heart.
2: Oh, she loves to get dirty.
1: Yeah. Yeah, she does. Well, now you. I,
2: first thing I asked you when I saw you this morning was to show me your medal. I know that you were a special... Why do you
1: want to talk? This is your special, show. I mean...
2: Yeah, and this is history. We've got to get into this history, that you have been subjected to special recognition from the...
1: Subjected is the correct word.
2: <laughs> the Daughters of the American Revolution. Yes. The uh, Hardy Murphy chapter. And uh, what, what was the nature of the recognition?
1: I don't know. They were up there saying something. Uh, you know me. I don't like to be recognized for anything. It just for what we all are different and and I'm different in that but I can tell you this I was very honored to have an organization like the DAR even mention my name because uh we were over there Saturday and over the ladies there. just absolutely they, they inspire me they really do and and it, it was George Washington the the one that they were um, uh, focusing on but Martha got most of the credit which I was glad to hear and I didn't realize that she was such a remarkable woman well, I think and it's I learned a lot that impressive day
2: impressive that they put you on the par with either George or Martha
1: no I was not on the par with those believe me
2: well it was a tremendous turnout because I checked the parking lot while you were in there. Yeah,
1: and period. you left me a dirty note on my car. <laughs> as, as you, it, we, I wish you had come in, because it, if I had been thoughtful, I would have invited you over because of uh, your historical stance, plus your friendship with me. That, that would have been special.
2: Well, it, uh, the occasion was held next door to my bank, and uh, we had to buck the uh, volume of... Park's cars to get to and from the bank. So,
1: now that wasn't because of me. That was that was a big meeting that they had that day, and I know John Hood was one of the recipients also, and uh, he he was very proud to be there, like like we all were, and uh, to to listen to some of those ladies, uh, like I say, it, it it really caught my attention in a very positive way. Now, the, I noticed that the books that they were. Required to read for that particular show um, It was thicker than Moby Dick If you've ever read the novel Moby Dick oh, I, I think it, they read it in in a few weeks And it, it would have taken me a year to read that particular <laughs> book As far as Martha Washington was concerned
2: Well, uh, you didn't get a medal But you did get a certificate Yeah. Yeah What did it say?
1: I don't know I'm trying to figure out what was
2: the point of your recognition. I
1: think it had something to do with um, uh, radio having them on the radio a number of times um, to be able to promote and, and educate people uh, your, a, as, as to what they do.
2: Your support for DAR programs.
1: Yeah, and, and believe me, I'll always support DAR because I think it's right. very essential right. to our country.
2: Well, I've recently had some and continue to have some contact with Karen Hudson.
1: Oh, yeah. She's, a,
2: she, she, I, she's the regional. She's amazing. She's a, a senior officer in yeah, it right now. Yeah. Um,
1: Do you know that she's the one that, that started drug court in, uh, yeah. in our community? Yeah, I remember that.
2: She's an attorney. Yes. But we are attempting to restore, and I think I've mentioned it before, a grave marker for a revolutionary veteran, uh, Thomas Blanton, Mm B-L-A-N-T-O-N, Thomas Blanton. And uh, we're at the point now where we're raising a little money because uh, the rough estimate I've got is when the stone is heavily damaged. Mm. But we're figuring out a way to, with some modern concrete technique, uh, where uh, we've asked a graduate of the MTSU, concrete program mm-hmm. uh, to work with us. <coughs> and uh, the cost for restoring and placing the stone back where the grave actually is is going to run about 1500 But you know, we've already raised about $1,000 yeah. uh, towards that. And uh, If there's anybody there that would like to be part of that program, that effort, uh, we're working with Mayor Ketron, because it happens to be right, this grave site is right adjacent to his home property, mm. and the home site of the veteran is actually the property where Mayor Ketron has his home. So we're working with. Uh, in fact, Mayor Ketron's the one that brought it to my attention, and I have literally taken the pieces of the stone. I've got it wrapped up in a quilt. In a heated area out at the farm, uh, so we could study it and figure out how best to restore it. But uh, it just strikes me that it's the type of thing that's worth doing because the Revolutionary War obviously is where we began. Yeah. And uh, it's also, I'm pleased that uh, we're doing it for a uh, veteran who was uh, a combat soldier, Mm. he was a private. And uh, list of the battles that he actually was in, a part of, and survived, uh, and then ended up in Tennessee for the latter part of his life, and uh, died here. So, it's, uh, and and you know he was recognized. His grave was noted and decorated by the D.A.R. in 1934, mm-hmm. and unfortunately was. Uh, Ignored or lost or damaged, vandalized, whatever, and almost disappeared. And uh, Mayor Ketron uh, deserves credit for keeping up with at least the pieces and the location. And we are sure of the location because it's right on the edge of the uh, battlefield boundary. Yeah. And the National Park Service did the research, confirming the grave location and such as that. So. When we do get things put back together, which I'm sure won't be until the weather lets up a little bit, uh, Karen and I have been talking about doing another decorating, decoration marking ceremony with the DAR, and the little DAR emblem they put on it confirmed the history.
1: You and Karen are a lot alike because you uh, you almost have a compulsive attitude toward saving all of those historical uh, structures, especially when they represent someone that has been special for our country.
2: Well, I appreciate Karen is very detailed. Yeah. And uh, committed to being correct, accurate uh, when we do something like
1: this. Yeah. You think about all the uh, time and energy that DAR puts into those particular things that are are a major part of our history. Uh, I I, I was overwhelmed, to be perfectly honest with you, being around those ladies Saturday and how much they mean to us. And uh, a lot of times we don't give them enough credit because that's something that you know as well as I do. That major part of our history that has made our country so great seems to be uh Under an attack right now which is which is thoroughly totally disgusting with me how they t- try to change the history in our country to meet what their particular uh interests are it it shouldn't It shouldn't be allowed.
2: You remind me we had a discussion last week that prompted several phone calls. And uh, we had a technical difficulty, Uh, so let me just say now, if there's any of our listeners who uh, were not able to get through or that I was not able to understand, uh, please call again and uh, give me another chance, see if we can't uh, cover any points that are of interest. I have followed up with a couple of phone calls uh, where somebody at the station, I guess, took down a phone number, Mm -hmm. so we were able to follow up, but uh, please call again. Let's see, speaking of accuracy, let me clear up some confusion I may have called, uh, caused. Uh, I think it was two, week, two weeks back, we talked about the Lunar New Year. Mm-hmm. And uh, I noted that uh, it was the year of the buffalo. But if you go on the major media or the post office, uh, they say it's the year of the ox, Well, the water buffalo is the one that I was referencing, not our American bison, but the water buffalo of Southeast Asia. Uh, We, uh, me included at times, tend to lump all of the other side of the world as China. And the Lunar New Year is frequently called the Chinese New Year Mm -hmm. in media and such. Uh, We need to remember that there are a number of different cultures over there in that part of the world, uh, Far Asia, Far East. Uh, And it's correct that the Chinese use the animal, the ox, as the animal of the year. Mm -hmm. But if you're Vietnamese, as my wife is, Mm -hmm. the animal for the year is the water buffalo. So both are correct, depending on which one of the cultures you're, you're talking about. That's a
1: very dangerous animal.
2: The water buffalo? Yes. I've seen, I have actually seen children up on the back of them. Uh, they are the work animal. Of but out in, in the Southeast wild, Asia.
1: they're bad news.
2: Maybe. Uh, but the ones that
1: They just, will actually group together and kill lions and, and things like that.
2: Well, uh, more power to them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they are the work animal in Southeast Asia. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, like we use the mule and such. And uh, if I had occasion, I might tease some of the Chinese because their animal of the year, the ox, is not a natural animal. you explain to us, Truman, what's an ox?
1: Well, it, I, can, I can tell you it's one of the greatest, one of the best work animals there is. You put them together. And they can pull a anything. Of, a yoke yeah. of oxen contributed
2: yes. an awful lot to the yeah. settlement of Tennessee. Yes. They came over the hills uh, with the oxen pulling as the beast. But the grew. mule was better. Yeah. And uh, eventually we went to mules. But well, what is an ox?
1: Um, it's usually somebody that uh, not a has somebody. a bad sense of humor and uh, somebody it's hard to get along with.
2: You just don't want to share the information. <laughs> You know, you know quite well that an oxen
3: mm-hmm.
1: is
2: a bull that matured to his full size, stature, and attitude, yeah. and then was neutered, and mm-hmm. then you get a docile animal with incredible strength, and that's a
1: very unhappy animal too.
2: Well, uh, hopefully they hadn't figured out what they've given up. <laughs> But they haven't given up. But
1: it's also in the crossword puzzle about every third time that you have a crossword puzzle. Yes. Okay.
2: I knew you knew it. Yeah. Uh, But I wonder if those talking about the year of the ox realize that it's not a natural animal. It's a uh, uh, what would you say? Not GMO, but in fact a. Yeah.
1: Well, in today's world, you'll see it in the newspaper starting with an L.
2: Is that right? Yeah.
1: Okay. Uh,
2: in any event, uh, Southeast Asia, Vietnam, it's the year of the water buffalo.
1: And All right. Now, when do when do you and I get to have one of those uh, animals for it to be our year?
2: Well, you don't know your year?
1: Well, I, I know that I'm a snake.
2: Yeah, well, but we're talking about the Lunar New Year. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, How do I find out? Uh, ask my wife. Okay. So we're looking at, um, I'm looking at November. I'm a Scorpio. Does that have anything to do with no, knowing which one? No,
2: that's uh, Western astrology. Yeah,
1: so that has nothing to do with it.
2: It's a separate uh, designation based on constellations. Star oh, using. okay. Yeah, and it's the sound and the astrology that you were born under. Like I'm Pisces, mm-hmm. the fish, which is February, mm-hmm. and probably still now. Uh, I, I I will note that the the Vietnamese are a little more gentle. For instance, the Chinese have a year of the rat. The Vietnamese have a year of the mouse. Okay. And I think there's one year in there which is entirely different. And I believe I'm in the year of the dog.
1: I, I can agree with that one. <laughs> yeah. All right, we're going to check out yeah. you for the next
2: the next week, we'll talk about your animal. Yeah. But I'm glad you're not an ox.
1: I am, too. <laughs> well, it don't matter anymore.
3: <laughs> yeah.
1: I should have said it doesn't.
2: Let's see, I did some reading on the uh, Civil War over the last week. My cousin, my father's first cousin, Bobby Modrell, one of our legendary characters here in Rutherford County. That's
1: Bernie Tucker's first cousin.
2: Bobby Modrell, yes, their mother. He was mother's my, freshman.
1: my freshman football coach. Yeah,
2: that's why I say he's one of our
1: yeah heroes. Taught the world of him, and I and I'd think better of him if he'd, he'd come on the show, but he keeps denying.
2: He's be careful now. He may. He very likely is listening.
1: Well, he he probably is listening, and I'm aiming at him this morning. Bless his heart.
2: Yeah, well, he and I share a a relationship with hoopers, Mm -hmm. and I ran into him over there. In fact, you were with me, I think, weren't you? uh,
1: He hasn't been over there when I've been there. No,
2: okay. I I went in there, and uh, he was there with his grandson, Ah. who he identified as his hunting and fishing buddy. Mm -hmm. Looked like the boy was probably 12, maybe. Oh, I, I wish I'd seen him. Uh, but uh, later, oh, when you and I I think did go there, I found Bobby had left something for me there, and he heard I
1: was coming, so he left.
2: Uh, he, he, actually, I think he'd probably been there several days. And, yeah, because <laughs> he had mentioned it to me when we when we met there previously. But it's in it's a family heirloom. Mm-hmm.
3: Uh,
2: and it, it, he left it there in a humidor
3: mm-hmm. beautiful
2: wood humidor yeah uh, even has the little capsule insert you know to keep it fresh and it's a publication 1902 publication uh, I believe and, the, and there's a news clipping in there explaining it and it is a detailed diary report commentary from a confederate soldier named granger hmm. strange first name g e r v i s gervis granger who was from kentucky
3: mm-hmm.
2: and it is a detail from day 1 to discharge into the war of the orphan Brigade. I thought, why well, Orphan Brigade? It was He was part of a military brigade organized in Kentucky. Hmm. Remember, Kentucky didn't secede. No. Kentucky was part of the Union. And they uh, were in combat, Perryville, which I think is Kentucky. But they were in the Battle of Stones River. They were in the Battle of Shiloh but they were not part of any specific army like the Army of Tennessee. Mm -hmm. Uh, So when they would be involved, they were involved in kind of a orphan or stepson capacity. Mm -hmm. And uh, for example, in uh, the Battle of Stones River (coughs) uh, under the Army of Tennessee, General Bragg, the Orphan Brigade was put in the rear, originally servicing, supplying uh, the other brigades in the Army of Tennessee. And when Bragg and uh, this Granger, he's quite critical of Bragg, first for Perryville and then for Stones when Bragg decided to retreat, which many scholars have said was a mistake. Uh, Granger made that point as well. He thought they had uh, retreated when they could have advanced and probably carried the day. Uh, But when Bragg pulled back the Army of Tennessee, he left the Orphan Brigade Mm -hmm. uh, almost as though they had been forgotten. And uh, they had to scramble uh, and make their own way out, last ones out. In fact, Granger himself says at one point he was completely surrounded and apparently the uh, Yankee soldiers didn't realize that they had a, a brigade uh, from Kentucky
3: mm-hmm.
2: in their midst and uh, the brigade the, uh, this fellow and his colleagues managed to get out well he goes all the way through the war down on into Georgia he's captured and I always look for a Rutherford County connection there was of course the Battle of the Stones River he's captured and he describes the conditions in the POW camp that he was thrown into and then eventually or rather soon they're all loaded into a railroad car standing room only Mm -hmm. to be taken back up out of the uh, Confederate States uh, to a POW camp in Kentucky, but on the way, he had managed to s- to conceal on himself a, p- a pocket knife, and uh, one other fellow had an iron piece. They chopped a hole in the wooden floor of the boxcar, and when it slowed down in Smyrna, coming through what's now Smyrna, Smyrna mm-hmm. area, uh, Granger drops through the hole. And he said he just barely got through because it was just barely big enough for him to drop down, wiggle out, get his feet on the ground, duck out, and get out from under the train before it uh, started moving again. He said he looked back, and his buddy, who was a little bigger in girth than he was, was stuck in the hole, mm. and his feet were dangling as the train started Ooh. off. And you wonder what became of him. You know, Did his buddies pull him back up through the hole, or did he run all the way with the train. Uh, Obviously, probably not a happy ending. Uh, But then Granger gets... uh, He makes his way on foot back into Kentucky and starts relying on family, friends, and relationships Mm -hmm. making his way back he hoped to safety. Uh, And it's interesting that in Kentucky where he's stopping with People he knew before, uh, and their farms. There are still slaves because in a couple of places he makes reference to, uh, particularly the uh, house servants that were mm-hmm. taking care of him. Yeah, and you know they are. And this is late in the war. This is 64, 1864, late 64, yeah. 65, late in the war. Uh, just a sad point that uh, Kentucky continued to maintain the slavery until well after the, the end of the war, well after the so-called proclamation. Uh, and he relied on the services of some of those uh, because if they had reported that he was a POW or uh, whatever, you know, and eventually he did get picked up and he spent the last couple of months as a uh, uh, back in a prisoner of war situation which is the most gut-wrenching part of the story because uh, General Burbridge uh, was brutal Mm -hmm. and uh, was abusing, mistreating the POWs and randomly selecting several to be executed the next morning. And uh, Granger uh, apparently survived largely because of family connections because at some point someone in authority uh, stepped up and got him out before he was executed. Uh, And this was, you know, at the end of the war. The war was over or or basically over by then and he's still being held prisoner. But uh, the manuscript that Bobby has loaned me uh, was in such condition that I saw why it was in the humidor to hold it together. Mm-hmm. And uh, I made a copy of the front because I wanted to preserve that. And then I sat down and very carefully read through the entire and just fascinating it's one of the things when you start reading you know the real life experiences of a of a Kentucky Confederate. Uh, very interesting. I also know that if you go online and use Gervis Granger or Orphan Brigade, all of it's online as well. Yeah, uh, I just didn't have been aware of it before. But uh, I actually was able to read through the original publication from 1902 that has been in, I assume, the Maduro family for... I don't know. They may have picked it up early after it was published.
1: You know, that war was horrific, no matter how you look at it. You had so many people that it was basically... Um, especially down in this area when the South seceded from the Union um, a lot of uh, people didn't realize what what the uh, situation was as far as what uh, uh, Washington was looking at uh, when they were trying to get all of those things uh, where it it would be a uh, a situation that had to do with conditions for people, or the conditions of the economic uh, conditions in each state, and all those things, and then you put them in a, a situation like you were talking about. They were standing. I mean, all the POW places were terrible. I don't care how you look at them; they were, they were almost, they were unbearable well, for most and, people.
2: And fairly, uh, we need to say on both sides. Yes. Uh, the POW situations were yeah. scary. And,
1: but if they want to proclaim that the South treated all the northern prisoners terribly or or vice versa, they were all in the same boat back then. Yeah. And, and if you think about it, uh, they were brutal. To people who are from their own country, a lot of times from their own families. Yeah. And, and, and when you look at it, the conditions there are, are of a way that would not be much different from World War II and, and some of the other places.
2: Well, Granger, in his latter part of it, when he's trying to make his way back through Kentucky, makes clear that uh, Kentucky residents were very divided. Yeah because he would go to one family that he trusted and they would feed him and take care of him until he could move on but they would also say don't stop at the next farm don't go this way don't go you know because their neighbors literally were, were had sympathies with the northern side and here they obviously were sympathetic with the southern side Yeah and uh so you know he had to be careful uh uh, you know who he revealed himself to yeah.
1: Robert E. Lee uh, described it better than anybody I've ever heard when the South wanted him to be their leaders and so did the North North wanted Robert E. Lee to be their leader and he basically said you know I love my country but I have to uh, fight for the state that I live in which was of course Virginia at yeah. the time And uh, I I, I think about those, and and, uh, um, we don't understand the war at this day and time. We really don't.
2: And I don't think we ever will. No. There's too much human emotion involved. Yeah. Involved in it. Let's see, I am uh, trying to concentrate on two books that I have in rough. And I hope within the next year or so to, to uh, be able to publish. One of them will be a fifth volume of Rutherford County lore and stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have it outlined, but I'm a long way from getting everything gathered. The other one is on my father's fighter squadron in uh, World War II, The Black Sheep. And uh, I have been going through the family collection of materials from that period or about that period in the family. And uh, I know my father was decorated with uh, the Distinguished Flying Cross. Mm -hmm. In fact, I have a picture of the reception, of the, what do you call it, the pinning in the early 1950s. But I couldn't find the cross, the actual medal, the medallion. Mm -hmm. And I remember that at one time it was put on display in the Tennessee State Museum. But I found a document that showed the date that it went on display and the date that it was returned to the family, Mm -hmm. uh, to my father. Uh, But then uh, talking to my sister on Sunday, uh, thanking her for remembering my birthday and such, I asked her about it, and I was delighted to learn that she has it. Mm-hmm. and has it safely stored away or something so uh, we made a deal she's gonna get me a good picture of the metal up close so you can see the three clusters on the ribbon to use in the book and I'm going to send her a copy of the picture of the governor of Arizona uh, putting the metal or with my father after pinning the medal. Uh, so we're gonna make an exchange there
1: now how did the governor get involved
2: Uh, Apparently, uh, the Marine Corps, uh, during the war or at the end of the war, the paperwork, Mm -hmm. I can imagine the paperwork backing up. Uh, I don't know exactly the process, but superior officers would put in the uh, request for commendation Mm -hmm. and such as that. And uh, my father was well into his career, and we were in Arizona doing his apprenticeship when uh, it finally was processed through and he got noticed that he was going to receive the Distinguished Flying Cross
3: mm-hmm.
2: and that it would be literally presented by the governor of the state in which he was a resident at the time, governor mm-hmm. of Arizona at the time. Uh, and it also, in 1952, uh, the local television station was apparently desperate for anything they could put on the air. So it was going to be broadcast over public TV, the ceremony and such. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, of course, don't remember it other than the picture, but my father took me and I was there literally standing between his legs almost up against him uh, during the the ceremony and the picture taking and such as that. So I'm in the picture and I look like I have no idea what's going on, but uh, a lot of attention focused picture has the governor my father and me and then uh navy marine representatives who are there for the ceremony
1: i guess they want us to take a break what do you think it'd be a good time all right guys we'll be right back with you
0: from nhc's adams place home a premier senior living on memorial boulevard it's the Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com.
4: Adams Place is a premier senior living facility in Murfreesboro, offering independent living, assisted living, memory care, health care center, and on-site rehabilitation.
1: Call us at Adams Place and arrange a tour today. Enjoy gentle joint exercise in the indoor pool, our soda shop, and many planned
4: activities and trips for every taste. Adams Place is at 1927 Memorial Boulevard. This is Lisa Halliburton. Hey, this is Taylor with Bell Jewelers inviting you to come shop with us. We're proud to say that we have three graduate gemologists from the GIA and two certified gemologists. Bell Jewelers is really fortunate to have three on-hand gemologists that can help steer you in the right direction and make sure that you're getting that quality piece. Bell Jewelers. 821 Northwest Broad Street, across from Toots. Hi guys, this is Mike Vrabel, head coach of the Tennessee Titans. During these uncertain times, like you, I'm focused on keeping my family and myself safe and healthy. While many areas of our lives have been put on hold, health emergencies are still taking place don't wait to seek treatment for an emergency. ERs at Ascension St. Thomas hospitals are open 24-7 and have strict safety precautions in place. I'm sharing this message with all of my Middle Tennessee neighbors. Don't wait to seek treatment for an emergency. Go straight to the ER.
0: Now, an update from the WGNSRadio.com
4: News Center. I'm Ron Jordan. Just before 11 o'clock Sunday morning, Murfreesboro police were investigating a shooting in a second-floor room at the Baymont Inn and Suites. Public Information Officer Larry Flowers told News Radio WGNS a man was taken to the ER at St. Thomas Rutherford Hospital, but his condition has not been released. Police are still looking for a shooter and a motive. Rutherford County Mayor Bill Ketron announced Saturday the county's face covering order will be lifted effective Monday, March 15th. The order's been in effect since last October. Ketron says although masks are no longer mandatory, wearing them is still a good idea. He also acknowledged the Tennessee Department of Health's recommendation to continue following public health recommendations, including staying at least six feet away from others, avoiding crowds and washing hands often. Williamson County's mask mandate expired over the weekend. Franklin's mayor, Ken Moore, urging people to continue wearing masks and face coverings there as well. It's Severe Weather Awareness Week in Tennessee. The Tennessee Emergency Management Agency says it's meant to encourage Tennesseans to prioritize planning and preparation during severe weather. Along with the National Weather Service, TEMA will offer a virtual training series throughout the week to help supply Tennesseans with the tools to handle inclement weather. This week also marks a year since those deadly tornado outbreaks in Middle and East Tennessee last spring. And five people, including an infant, are recovering after being rescued from a submerged pickup in DeKalb County. Officials say the vehicle slid off a water-covered bridge yesterday and became partially submerged. Authorities are warning drivers to avoid attempting to navigate through high floodwaters and to obey all roadblocks. Turn around. Don't drown. I'm Ron Jordan reporting. Discount Mattress is on the move, and great news for you. To reduce moving costs, all remaining inventory is being liquidated. Stop in today at 1614 Northwest Broad Street near the Georgetown Kroger to take advantage of the huge price reductions on their already discounted prices. Discount Mattress has been serving Murfreesboro's mattress needs since 2001, is locally owned and operated, and excited to offer these reduced prices prior to their move. Don't wait. Stop by today. Discount Mattress at the corner of Northwest Broad and Northfield. Good weather. Mostly cloudy skies here for this afternoon with temperatures holding rather steady. Winds out of the north at 5 to 15 miles per hour. Tonight, mostly cloudy, low near 33. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojciechski on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 44. Premier Six Theater is open. They're excited to see you again and we will be showing some classic movies you'll be sure to enjoy. Check MurfreesboroMovies.com for showtimes for Premier Six Theater. They're now open. From NHC's Adams Place, home
0: of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard. It's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSradio.com.
1: You know, I could sit here and listen to you forever. When you and I uh, get together, we don't talk as much about all those historical things. We do some, but uh, when we're here on the air, I just—I'm—I'm uh, I'm just completely consumed with all that history. And I can actually picture. Of course, I've—I've I've seen your dad's picture a, a, a number of times, and I can almost. Uh, look at him and and relate back to what was going on. Uh, You were talking about the Solomon Islands and uh, some of the local people that your dad got to see when they were over there.
2: Well, at my age, uh, I'm glad my wife listens to the show because I'll have to ask her, is this something we talked about during the break or did we talk about that on the air? Because you and I have just had a long conversation. It's just you and
1: I talking, basically. (laughs) Yeah,
2: and that wasn't on the air just as well, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I got a communication. Actually, it came through the uh, computer that uh, a fellow named Randy Travis. Sounds familiar. Sure does. Uh, In uh, Smyrna, and I believe if I got the message right, he's inquiring... About the history or any information about a cave on his property. And you know, we've learned that when we start talking about caves, we get a mm-hmm. few callers. That's just a, a fascinating topic for many of us. It is. Uh, <coughs> he referred to it as the Auto, A U T O, like automobile, the Auto Cave. Uh, I have never heard of a cave in the Smyrna area or anywhere else with that kind of name, but I do know. In the Smyrna area, there are at least three documented very interesting caves. The Cave of the Medallions, Mm -hmm. apparently named because an early explorer found some medallions. Mm -hmm. What became of them, we don't know. Apparently, uh, family owners and such found medallions in the cave, so it came to be known as the Cave of the Medallions. And then there's a Dr. May's cave which probably is because he owned the property. And then there's a Carter Cave, which I'm sure is a family name of the property owner. Mm-hmm. All three of those are very interesting caves, uh, not the type of cave you should be crawling in by yourself, uh, but they're people who are keepers of the caves, that know the caves. And uh, as far as I know, they still are accessible, and I know there's some caves in populated areas where they... Uh, for safety reasons, I guess, they try to close them up. Mm -hmm. Uh, But these three are documented and reading some documentation from maybe 10 or 15 years ago, they were certainly being maintained open at that time. Uh, Then there are, all over Rutherford County and this part of Tennessee, small uh, caverns and the state has a formal designation of what it takes to be a cave. And I think it is a linear penetration of more than 50 feet mm. before you get on the cave registry. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you're not a cave, but you're a hole that you can crawl into, uh, it's called a rock shelter. So you know, this auto cave may be one of those rock shelters It's not on the, the cave. There is a state registry of caves.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, in fact, some years ago with my Boy Scout troop, we charted a cave. Uh, which we showed was more than 50 feet back into it, uh, and I believe it's probably on the registry now.
1: If if you're a if um, if you have a cave that's listed as a cave, does that kind of leave a certain imprint that you should be a professional spelunker to go in that particular? Uh, Cave and and maybe go in um, where where you're investigating the cave from the beginning to the end. I I know we have had a lot of bad happenings here in in many of our caves here in Rutherford County, and uh, um, well, I know we, that we we had to answer a number of calls where people. Uh, They become lost in the cave, or or they're trapped in a cave, or whatever.
2: Your we is the sheriff's department. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we have some very beautiful caves in the area. Some of them just outside the county, but in the area. Uh, But we also have some very dangerous. Most dangerous are the wet caves. Yeah. And the most famous is the snail shell cave, which goes on forever and ever. Uh, some of the caves, like the commercial cave up in uh, Warren County, claims to have eight miles of uh, charted uh, chambers and tunnels and mm-hmm. passages and such. Uh, that's bigger than I thought. Uh, the Snellshell Cave probably comes up close, if not more than that, uh, because it. we've learned I'd say within the last decade that snail shell is a system that includes several of our other named caves and locations and and uh, uh, the water flow out of there goes all the way to the Stones River so it passes under a lot of our uh, territory
1: now you know when when we used to drill for uh, water for to be used in our home and and, and maybe at the barn and things like that. There are so many different levels that you can go to. You can, you can hit a, a pretty good maybe spring uh, 52 feet down or whatever, and then you can continue going uh, all the way down in that <coughs> level. People don't understand what they're running into a lot of times. Uh, is there a way to uh, have a constructed map for people who love to go into caves and investigate, and should they, should they have any type of um, of identification that would make them uh, someone who would probably be safe uh, as they investigate a cave?
2: Well, anyone who, as a novice, decides to go crawl in a cave is is not very bright because, uh, you know everything about it could disorient you yeah so you can get lost easily also there are a lot of dangerous drops and different things in the cave Mm -hmm. but for any cave that's uh, really interesting worth exploring visiting uh, there are people who know the cave and uh, I never went into one of the caves without having another adult who had experience with the cave knew the cave and you know would lead us in lead us out Mm -hmm. uh and uh, had some exciting experiences because some places are tight and uh, some places are wet. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, But going in without someone who has foreknowledge of the cave is uh, not not a smart thing to do.
1: Yeah, we've talked to people who were completely disoriented. They didn't know top from bottom or anything. I mean, they were just totally lost.
2: Well, reading recently of some exploration of wet cave wet chambers uh, the professional was using a what I guess I'd call a string coil Mm
3: -hmm.
2: and literally was leaving a string uh, behind him. So if he needed to and I'm sure he'd need to to return he could follow his string back so you know if you're mapping a, an un, a previously unmapped, unexplored, you know, those are the type of precautions they take.
1: Would you now like to go into a cave that is no one knows very much about it whatsoever, and explore it for? Well, uh, I never,
2: I never would go into one under those circumstances. But uh, even crawling now with a uh, an experienced, knowledgeable caver, I wouldn't do it because there's some physical uh, aspects of it uh, that uh, probably someone with a little bit of uh, arthritis shouldn't be attempting.
1: (laughs) Would you feel uneasy at this day and time to take a bunch of guys, Boy Scouts, into a a large cave and and have... It's hard to have complete control over a bunch of kids to start with.
2: Well, I took several, and I had complete control, or they didn't go. Yeah. Uh, we sorted that out in advance, but as I say, we always went with someone who knew the cave. Yeah. And we did get into a couple of rock shelters, uh, you know, that we just found, and uh, uh, in most of those cases, i either me or one of the older boys would stay at the mouth of the cave
3: mm-hmm.
2: or the shelter. Yeah, you know, so we always had somebody outside that could go for help if we needed it.
1: You know, I still run into people uh, who are maybe my age or, or maybe a little younger, and one of the things that they're most proud of is becoming an Eagle Scout. And, and uh,
2: I think there's one in the paper today. Oh, really? Tennessee, yeah, another young lady who's become an Eagle Scout, and uh, they're still. Taking special note because we, there are a handful in Tennessee, but yeah. very few still. Let me acknowledge our, my best uh, fan, Joyce Johnson, former president of the historical society. I'm glad society. she
1: comes in here. Yeah. Yeah. She's she's looking still looking for interesting subjects when she comes in and. And then I don't know why she picks you to be the one to, to that give was, that education I thought out. that
2: was the only reason she came in, just to make me feel better. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I'm sure she just got through working out. They, they they work out at 9. You guys are through. So she's just coming great. in
2: here to sit down and rest, is what you're saying. I,
1: I would be. <laughs> you guys have a great workout system here over at Adams Place. Oh, good. What kind of exercise did you do? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, me. And that's why you guys all look like you're teenagers. It's amazing. It does. It just brings you back through time. Okay. (laughs) Good to see you, hon. They do do a great job of taking care of everybody. And you know, one thing that I've noticed, uh, you know, my attitude toward this virus and all this other crap that they keep throwing on us. And they've gone away from the herd system to go to the sheep system. You know, you just follow what I tell you to do. And I noticed that after they got their second shot, they were out here uh, being more social. And you know they were smiling they were happier and, and uh, I, I think that that, that tells uh, uh, us a little bit about how people are dealing with this virus but everybody's got their own ways I guess.
2: Well I'm getting a second shot on Wednesday and you can tell
1: where are you going to get it? you gonna get it in your arm or the, uh, your rear end? They or give, do they give it in your arm? Don't they?
2: They give them all in the arm. I think. And
1: and if the, in the upper part of the arm, I think it hurts a little bit more from what they've told me. see, I'm not not getting the shot.
2: The uh, needles they use look like uh, hair, real so small you can hardly see it. Hmm. So uh, there's really very little feeling to it, and uh, some people don't even give a little blood spot. You know, disappears immediately. Uh, in fact, I teased the nurse that uh, on my wife she missed her because so she couldn't find where she had given the injection.
1: Say that. I don't, I'm, I think I'm not understanding that. Let's say that again, that, that last part.
2: That was awfully sophisticated, wasn't it? Yeah. Like, I can see how that would go over. Yeah. What, what part?
1: You're t- saying... The needle, that they give these injections the, the, with needles. But they couldn't tell where they gave the last shot? Is that what you were saying?
2: No, the immediate shot.
1: The, oh, okay.
2: The, the needle is so fine that it doesn't open a big enough hole, to use local terminology, a big enough hole to even bleed.
1: Are you sure you're getting a shot? No, I'm not. <laughs> Well, some people are, because I know some people had a, a few reactions after they had the shot. Maybe the next day or two, or whatever. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that, that you're brave enough to get that shot. Yeah, I, I, I'm it, proud of you. It took some preparation.
2: <laughs> they
1: promised me a
2: glass of orange juice afterwards.
1: See, you didn't get ex- you didn't have the experience of actually going through the virus. Uh, that That's what gets me I mean, I, I've, I can put it in my history That I had the virus And, and I overcame it
2: Well, my wife and I both did We're, we're COVID survivors
1: so, so now you're Doubled up See, my, my doctor told me That I would not get the shot That uh, I am uh, completely immune uh, We have a caller on the line <laughs> I hope it's something interesting <laughs> Caller, welcome aboard Good morning. I just wanted to pay a compliment. Uh, I got my second shot at State Farm Friday, and they did an excellent job. We just went right through. There was a lot of cars there, but we went right through, and I just wanted to compliment whoever was in charge for the smooth process. Well, good. Well, that's nice of you. Thank you. Have a good day. You too.
2: I'm I'm glad we're having a good experience here, and I hope nobody is counting on the services in Shelby County.
1: Oh, that's right. They had a problem down there, didn't they? Oh, they've
2: had multiple problems uh, involving what sounds like corruption in some aspects.
1: In Shelby
2: County? Yeah, that's Memphis, that area down there.
1: (laughs) I know where Memphis is, big boy.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there are people who... Should not be getting the injection, children that have been vaccinated. Yeah, and uh, an incredible amount of vaccine disappeared, can't be accounted for.
1: Yeah,
2: and some has been allowed to go bad. So,
1: yeah, it doesn't last very long when you receive it
2: after being out of the the ice box. Uh, But everything I hear, we're doing a good job in Rutherford
1: County. Yeah, you know. You can look at all types of areas of of what goes in a community. And Rutherford County seems to be right at the top. And we're very blessed to have it, uh, the people that live here and, and the our leadership. So uh, it, it's a special place. I, I keep following this era on my screen and it's running all over the place. Surely Brian's not there today. I'm looking at you.
2: Oh, you're looking at me? I thought you were staring at the screen. Believe me, I was looking
1: at at the computer.
2: All right, well, why don't you go ahead and start your dramatic wind-up.
1: Like what? You mean like uh, Bob Feller used to, his wind-up? Yeah. Yeah, I I can do that. (laughs) I think think we're at the uh, end of our time.
2: You remind me. We'll talk about it maybe next time. I came across something that was talking about publication from four or five decades ago. How important baseball was in Rutherford County. Oh yeah. Back in the pre-World War II era, uh, defining the communities and the individuals. They say that if
1: you follow baseball, you follow as our country grows and where, it, where its uh, values are at the time. Baseball has been the number one sport. They can say that I, I love college uh, football, and I, loved, I love college girls basketball and things like that, but there's something about baseball that pretty much uh, you can follow baseball and you can follow what's going on in the history of our country. It just... It really is something special. And it grew from our childhood on up to I don't think you ever outgrow uh, baseball. It's just something special for us. and you 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 follow it through books, I follow it through watching ball games. <laughs> now which one which one is the most fun I want you I want to know.
2: I don't know. You know, the rules are changing. In fact, I even read where they're going to deaden the ball because there are too many home runs being hit.
1: Well, it's too lively now.
2: Yeah, too lively. They're going to try to unlively it. Uh, And I think they're still made in Caribbean somewhere, aren't they? Well,
1: you know, they still make them. I think they still make them in in Kentucky.
2: Well, I thought you were going to say Tullahoma. There used to be some in Tullahoma.
1: No, Kentucky and, um, of course, the baseball bats are are made in Kentucky. Yeah. The Louisville Sluggers. Yeah. Uh, that's what they call them. Actually, I have a Louisville Slugger bat with a very famous person's name on that bat. And the name is Truman Jones. Ah, yes, I've heard of See, that. See, they they somebody sent me that. I, I think they were just well, I I think they were just trying to make me angry, but they sent me a Louisville Slugger with my name on it at the time.
2: Well, that's even More exciting than a certificate, isn't
1: it? You know, I wonder why Karen didn't give me a Louisville slugger (laughs) from the DAR. That would be special.
2: (laughs) All right, Truman. Have we used up the time?
1: Yeah, I think they're ready for us to go. (laughs) All right, I enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. All right, guys, we'll see you in the morning at 9 and we'll have uh, Bobby and Larry Stewart on. See you then. From NHC's Adam's
0: Place.